When we are here, we should be in the mood of yada. When I say yada, it means happiness, joy. In a state of mind where you are meeting somebody who is so, so greater than you, but yet has adopted you as his child. So when you come here, forget every trouble you have, forget every sorrow you have, come here happy. He says, come into the presence with, with gladness. So we can't come here and be dull and be soft-faced. We should all be happy. It's a must to be happy in the presence of God. Is that true, somebody? Yes. Thank you. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your people who are gathered here today, and those that are not even able to come. It's what you meant for them to hear. Not my word, O oh Lord, but your word to your people at this point in time. This is my prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. I would like to read a psalm to us, Psalm 86, just from verse 1 to 13. It says, listen to me, O Lord, and answer me, for I am helpless and weak. Save me from death, because I am loyal to you. Save me, for I am your servant, and I trust in you. You are my God, so be merciful to me. I pray to you all day long, make your servant glad. O Lord, because my prayers go up to you, you are good to us and forgiven, full of constant love for all who pray to you. Listen, Lord, to my prayer. Hear my cries for help. I call to you in times of trouble because you answer my prayers. There is no God like you, O Lord. No one has done what you have done. All the nations that you have created will come and bow down to you. They will praise your greatness. You are mighty and do wonderful things. You alone are God. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do. And I will obey you faithfully. Teach me to serve you with complete devotion. I will praise you with all my heart, O Lord, my God. I will proclaim your greatness forever. How great is your constant love for me. You have saved me from the grave itself. Amen. Today, I feel God wants us to dwell on the issue of prayer. We started the year with prayer. Uh, we're currently in 40-day uh, draw the circle prayer uh, program and it's all going well why because there is nothing that beats prayer and at the end of the day i hope you will agree with me because we're going to look at so many aspects of prayer um as you can see from that image there prayer is we're praying for the pastor we're praying for the widows we're praying for the prodigal we're praying for people to be saved, we're praying for revival, we're praying for well-being, we're praying for a lot of things. But then, as simple as it sounds, sometimes prayer could be something that we feel is a bit difficult. We don't know where to start, we don't know what to do, we don't know how to go. Even people who have been veterans in the Lord, prayer warriors, there are times they lose the word to pray. 
And at such times, they pray to God, and God will give them utterance, give them the ability, and they continue praying. But what the Lord has laid on my heart to speak about today is prayer in general. What is prayer? Why do we pray at all? When should we pray? Where should we pray? How should we pray? So prayer, simply put, is our fellowship with God. It is a relationship. It is our communication with God. We speak to him. We take time to listen to him. It is the same thing. Don't make it like a big, big deal to pray. Because God wants to hear from you and he wants to reply to you. And when we are into that relationship of talking and re receiving and begging and petitioning and all that stuff, it is prayer. It is not a special uh, program. It is not a special method. Prayer, simply put, is our fellowshipping with God. Prayer is talking to God, listening to God, talk to us. It is the opening of our hearts, our fears, our desires, our joys, our sadness. Letting God know how we feel. And then he will respond to us. And it becomes a relationship. We build on that. When we pray constantly, we are in tune with God. He hears us, he feels us, he knows us, and we know him in return. So we'll deal with these issues one after the other. What is prayer? Why do we pray? When should we pray? Where should we pray? How should we pray? All simple, simple questions. But as a believer, it is the central uh, beam of our faith. Because without prayer, we're not communicating with the Father. Without prayer, he's not hearing us. Without prayer, there is a, a gulf between us and our Father. Prayer brings us closer to him, hunts us into him, and we become one with him. Jesus prayed just as me and my father are one. I pray that you and I are one. So in oneness, it means we can feel each other. We can know each other. We can know the mind of God. And if we love him, that means we will dwell in him and do exactly what he wants us to do. Prayer is not about us tweaking God to suit ourselves. Prayer is about us tuning into God and doing exactly what he wants us to do. And in that way, we are getting blessed. Why? Because he did not create us to suffer. He did not create us to be lost. He, creates, he wants us to come to him in worship, in fellowship. And in that way, he blesses us back with the goodness of life, with our children, with the air that we breathe, with the food that we eat, with the, where we live. 
God blesses us back. Why? Because he doesn't want us as his children to suffer. It's as simple as that. But it's not that we go to God just with our uh, list of give me, give me, give me. And that's, the, 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 that's prayer. That's not there. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. Christians, we should lift our minds and hearts to God. As believers in Christ, we have an amazing privilege. Our Heavenly Father invites us to talk to Him. He invites His children to speak and promises to listen. Hear this. This is Jeremiah 29, uh, 12. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. This is not my word. This is the word of the Lord. He says, come to him. Speak to him. Pray to him. He says, he will listen to you. So people of God, you have the ears of God. So long as you take that step to reach out to him. We can read the word of God and talk to him in the morning, align our hearts with him, with his, start the day, and we can talk to him as we go along the day and in our routines, in wherever we go. We can be in constant communication with him. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's a confidence. It's an assurance. It's a knowledge that we have in him. That if we ask him anything, but there is a clause there in accordance with his will, then he hears us. So it is important, brethren, that we dig into the knowledge of knowing what is in God's will. It leads to effective prayer. When you don't ask in accordance with God's will, you're asking amiss. And then it seems that God is not hearing you. So take time to know God's will. How do you know God's will? It comes in so many ways. First and foremost, it says, from your Bible. So take time to read it. Because it tells you exactly what God's will is concerning your life, about things, about general matters. The Bible talks about everything in life. How we should live our life, what we should eat, how we should relate with one another. This is something. And if you don't take time to read it, then you're missing a lot. You don't have to do a big chunk every day. Open it. Have a, a, a study routine. Because sometimes it's not good to just grab a page and open just to read. Because the devil knows how to do when you do that, sometimes he, he could lead you to a place where it makes you feel like your day is going to be rotten. 
So take time to find a study line. Even if it's one verse a day, and God will slowly build you up because you are imbibing his word in yourself. You will know his will. You will know how to pray. You will know what to ask for. And you will be so sure that God is going to do it and he will honor himself. Because whatever God says he will do, that surely he will do. He never fails. He is not man that he can take back his word. That's one thing. He says, I will bless you. He will bless you. It's compulsory. If he says, speak to me and I will listen to you. He means just that. Speak and he will listen. If he says, come to me in time of trouble and I will save you. Go to him in time of trouble. He will save you because he has uttered his word. He is unable to take it back. But one thing you must do is pray according to his will. I'm trying to find an example here of how you pray out of God's will. So, if you're praying for God to give you a knife to go and stab somebody, I don't think God will honor such prayer because somebody else's life is not yours to take. Something as simple as that. So, why do we pray? I think already I have said enough to tell us why we should pray, but I will go into details to break it down a bit more. Prayer itself is an act of worship that glorifies God and reinforces our need for him. So when we come to him, when we pray, when we go on our knees or whatever we do in the act of prayer, it binds us together. It makes us to come to God and it reinforces the fact that we need God and that that's why we come to him. And that's why we worship him. And he, in his infinite mercy, will embrace us and take care of us. Through living a life of prayer, we respond to Christ's work of salvation and communicate with the very source and purpose of our existence. When Christ came and died on the cross of Calvary, what he's done is, he has helped us back from one of the key things that God says. One of God's, oh, is that whoever sins will surely die. But when Christ came and died on the cross, what he's done is he has fulfilled that path for us. He has taken our place in death so that we can have life. And when we come to God in prayer and say, thank you, Father, for allowing Jesus to take my place on the cross of Calvary, it's an acknowledgement. When, your child, when you give your child or somebody a gift and they come back to you and they say thank you, you feel good. God made us in his image and likeness. So he feels the same way we feel. When we come back with thanksgiving, he feels the goodness of it. And he draws us closer to him. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, my boy. <laughs> In the book of Timothy, Paul was talking about prayer, and he says it should be, it's a priority. He says, first, we must pray for each other. Self-alone. When you're praying, think about others. Think of people that are surrounding you. Think of those who are in need. Think of those who need salvation. Bring them to God in prayer. He appreciates that. Because God's desire is not for any to perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of truth. And when we pray that they understand the truth that is being brought to them, God is happy with such prayers. And he will honor such prayers. So do you have loved ones who are yet unsaved? Do you have children who are yet unsaved? Do you have friends, work colleagues that you love so much and you know that they are not yet saved? Those are the kind of people God expects you to bring to him in prayer and ask that he steps into their life and bring them over to himself. Paul also went further to talk about we praying for those in authority. <clears throat> How do they matter? Yes, they do. They put our laws in place. They stop us from speaking in public. They talk about um, personal rights and all that stuff. And we cower backwards. And when we want to speak about God's love to people, we are waiting for their permission before we can even open our mouths to start speaking to them about what great love God has for them, what salvation they have, how if they don't come to God, they lose their life. You're doing them a favor. Why you wait for permission to do someone a favor? If somebody is drowning, will you ask their permission before you reach out your hand to take them out of the water? Why you do the same on, the, on this occasion? We should be bold when we talk about our God. We should be firm when we talk about our God. We should be knowledgeable when we talk about our God. That's why it is a good practice to study his word. Imbibe yourself. Fill yourself up. We are both like just a broken Christian. Uh, the word says we cannot hold the water for long. So we need a constant infilling. Time after time, take the word. Fill yourself up. And when you go out and you open your mouth, the word comes out to people and it affects change. Prayer should be fundamental, not supplemental. It's not after we've tried to do all we can and we have failed before we remember prayer. Prayer should be the basic first step. We were listening to um, Mark, the one we were, the, the, the guy that wrote the book that we're treating right now, the Draw the Circle. And he says something like this. He says, whatever issue we have, we should take it to God and know that God is in charge of all things. But at the same time, we should treat the matter like it all depends on us. 
That way, we walk in partnership with God. We walk according to his will, but we are not lazy to do what he has asked us to do. It's not about praying and saying, God, that's it. God still expects us to take the step of faith. So if you're praying for your brother to be saved, or to reach a point where you should go to him and say, bro, I've been praying for you, but what I've been praying for you about is that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to be saved. You give your life to him. You need to take that active step in every prayer you do. You don't just pray and wait. You pray and take action. Believe in what you prayed for. So when Paul was advising that we pray for those in authority, it is that we may live in peaceable, peaceful, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is the result of right praying for a reason. Therefore, why we should especially pray for those in authority over us, it's for us to have a peaceful environment, to also have quietness, to be rid of war and trouble. So that we have a space where we can flourish, the word of God can flourish, we can have a beautiful life, even here on earth. So when Jesus prayed, may your will be done in heaven as on earth. We are expecting all the goodies in heaven, even right here. It is not only when we are dead and gone that we should have good life. God expects us to have good life even here on earth. We need to pray towards it and walk towards it. Another reason for prayer. I'm going to tell a wee story first. There is this woman in the Bible, and she kept on going to this unjust judge. And no matter what plea she puts before him, he's not taking any action. But he did not, she did not stop. She kept on going and going and going and going till the judge just got tired of her. And the judge says, I will just do justice for this woman just to let me be. And Jesus then says, if this unjust judge could pass good judgment for this woman to let him be, how much more do we think our father who loves us will do things to make us happen? Do you get that? If somebody who does not care anything about somebody could take the step to honor that person, pass the judgment just to be free. How much more God, who is our father, what he will do for us who are his children when we pray according to his word. So God will answer the prayer of the needy. So if you are in particular need, at any particular point in time, that is his promise for you. Pray. He will step into your situation. It's a promise. 
He says he will do it. I know when he says it, I consider it done. Do you feel the same way as me? So Luke 18, verse 6. I want to read the, the judge's word so that you hear what, what he has to say. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Oh, I've jumped it a bit. Let me go back a step. For sometimes this judge refuses, but finally he said to himself, even though I, f I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack her. And the Lord said, listen to what the judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones? By the way, you are the chosen ones. Those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the chosen ones. So when the Bible is speaking that, he's speaking about you. He will bring the justice quickly. God insists that we ask, not because he needs to know our situation, but because we need the spiritual discipline of asking. Because even before we open our mouth, God knows what's in our heart. But sometimes he expects us to open our mouth, to reach out to him in faith, so that when it happens, you know God is with you and he's doing you well. Amen. One of the favorite verses for Christians is this, Luke 11, 9 to 10. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Are you feeling it yet, brethren? The power of prayer. Do I need to read that verse again for you to begin to understand the enormity of what you're missing if you don't pray? I'll be quick to add, God is not our Tesco. It's not about us, what we want, what we want, what we want. When we pray, we should pray in accordance with his will. He does care for us, so he wants us to have the good things in life, don't get it wrong. But we also need to add the other parts. And this is where we come in as a congregation. Another reason for us to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, says the Lord, and I will forgive their sins, he says, and I will heal their land. Are you crying for this land? Pastor Stevie has it so much in his heart, and he walks around this, this village 
seven times, like the wall of Jericho. And what, he was intend- what his intention is, is that just the way the walls of Jericho crumbled and the children of Israel took over that land, Whitburn will fall before the God Almighty and they will turn from their wicked ways and come and worship him. Are you proud of having such a great pastor? We need to cry out to God to help our land, to save us, to save our people, to save our children, to save our families. Because we're lazy, we're drawn back, we're settled, we have all the good things in life. Nobody is hungry in this country. If you're so hungry, all you need to do is go to a food bank and they will give you the choices. Do you want this or do you want that? Do you want milk or do you want semi-skimmed or do you want full milk? Hallelujah. What a glorious country we live in. But that should not make us to forget that the devil, who is called Satan, has a way of infiltrating us. We sit down and watch our TVs and we enjoy all the good things on it and all the bad things as well. We should be mindful of the cunning ways of the enemy. We see certain things so much, so much often and it becomes normal. Christians, watch and pray. There are so many ills going on. And the only people who could do the prayer of intercession is those of us who feel the burden of it. So if you feel the burden of it, go on your knees. Ask God to step into the situation. Ask God to heal our land. Ask God to bless us on every side. So, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find ways to help us in time of need. We are allowed to approach God because when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and at a point, the curtain was torn into two. And the Holy of Holies was made available to us. And we can step into God's presence without condemnation, without fear. And we can call him our Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of the heavens and earth. As far as your eyes can see and beyond the galaxies. He is the creator. And he has adopted you. He says, you are my child. So you can come to him with boldness and confidence. And present all your needs to him. Is this strength when you're weak? Is it an illness you have and you want healing? Is it your brother is getting lost and you want him saved? Is it physical thing, financial needs that you have? Bring it to him. That's his word, not mine. Come with confidence, he says. In time of need.
We should pray because prayer is the most important part of, uh, part of thankfulness to God. When we come to him and we say thank you, God loves that. And also because God gives his grace and his Holy Spirit. And we can pray continually. And we can stand in his presence. And we can thank him for stuff. And we can enjoy in his presence. We drop the fear. Whatever is happening to us in our heart that makes us to worry, it is lost because we are in his presence. Because he loves you, he'll give you that embrace that even though physically those things may still exist, within yourself, you set free. We're singing one song some time ago, say, my chains are gone, have been set free. Freedom from the shackles of sin. Freedom from fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of boldness by which we come to him and we call him our father. Hallelujah. The psalmist says, how can I repay the Lord for his goodness to me? I will sacrifice a thanks offering to him and call on the name of the Lord. That's all you can do. He's blessed you so much, but there's nothing much you can do. If you want to appreciate him, it's just to come to him in thankfulness. And he loves you for that. Come to him in worship. He takes that. We can pray by relating to one another and sitting together and forming, holding hands. He says, we're two more gathered together. I am here. God expects us to fellowship with one another as we fellowship with him. That's the reason why we are gathered here together. We come together in fellowship. God loves that. He loves the assembling of his people. So when we raise up in, in our, with our voice together, singing praises to him, it's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice pouring up to him, and he embraces us with his love. Our prayers could be that we should not fall into temptation because the enemy knows how to do. You hear me? The enemy knows how to do. He uses every little situation to tweak and take things further away from God. You're having a laugh and then the banter comes and then the bad word comes into it. Like, Oops. The enemy. We need to learn to stand to God. And when we ask the Holy Spirit into us, before we can begin to step in the negative direction, He reminds us quietly, gently, and nudges us, Oi, you're my child. Mm -mm, don't. Then we can stand for it. Because the righteousness is not ours, it's the righteousness of God that we imbibe. So if we have the Godhead in us, he takes care of all the other needs. We don't need to like, mm -hmm. we are constantly in him and he is there to support us. 
not by power, it's not by might, it's by the spirit of the Lord. So all we need to do is give ourselves onto him and his spirit to take over. And the rest becomes not a battle, but a way of living our lives. Because you don't have to struggle to conform with the things of, the, of God. It's when you let yourself go that you struggle. And it becomes like conforming rather than living a good life. The devil will make us believe that the kind of life that is out there is the right life. But tell me, what's the good thing about, say, for instance, drunkenness, and you're walking down the street and you're, shoe, you're stepping into the gutter and your leg is getting twisted, the police is putting you in the jail? How can that life compare with this kind of life we are living, brethren? It is the lie for the, from the pit of hell that makes us to believe that we're losing something out when we become believers. Because there's no quality of life that compares with the righteous life. Because you're eating the right food, you're mixing with the right crowd, you're having a joyful moment, there is no sorrow in your life because you're completely trusting in him and he's completely taking care of you. And you just, a good life, good life. And good life afterwards when we step across the threshold. over that and over again. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's another condition. You don't seek God haphazard. When you seek him, devote yourself to him. Don't trust in God and mammon at the same time. Don't have two legs as strong. One on that side and one on that side. You definitely fall into the water. So when you trust in God completely, put your two feet and stand firmly on the rock, Christ Jesus, and your salvation is secured. And all your fears are taken away. And you stand bold in him. And you make petitions for people. And God will honor you. Because you ask, he will do that which you have asked because he says he will. And he will bless you for doing that. Our father Abraham was blessed. He, didn't, he wasn't loving God because of the gifts God had given him. But you know what? He was one of the richest men of his generation. If you honor God, he will honor you. Even in your jobs in your family life. Anything that besits you, anything that brings sorrow to you, he takes it away. God loves you and he's there for you. So I will rush over the rest. I'm not going to go through my notes because my time is up. Where to pray? Anywhere. You're driving to work? Pray. You're sitting down? Pray. You're standing up? Pray. You're facing the north? Pray. There is no limitation to your prayer. It says pray continually. When it says pray continually, it doesn't mean you must keep babbling. As the thought is coming to your mind, just say, Father, I thank you. Thank you for today. Oh, I love you, Father. 
I'm hungry, I need food, can you? Just relate with God. He is your father. He says, I am your father. He will do for you. Prayer. There is no two ways to it. It's simply your relationship with God. Open yourself to him and he will embrace you. God bless you.